Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good morning. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and just tell your smart speaker to play ESPN. We are Shay and Jordan Cornette coming to you from ESPN Studios. Hope everyone is having a great morning so far. Just started for them. They We're don't waking know if it's up, a good opening our eyes, feeling alert. How do you feel? Don't do that. Some mornings you say, give me the first 20 minutes don't of the show that. to get ready. Are you ready for tip time here? Uh, I don't know. I'm crushing my orange juice here. Hopefully the sugar kicks in. But then the next... OJ. We're getting I nutty. I know. Really. Really living on the edge these days. <laughs> Let me tell you. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance and all guests of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin join us on the Goodyear Hotline. All right. It's time for Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. So found out yesterday that uh, Mike Tomlin has other plans as far as starting his starting quarterback, Big Ben Roethlisberger. I'll let Mike Tomlin explain. Here is Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin. I don't want to make this seem like it's a preseason game. As I mentioned, Ben is the only guy that I'm willing to acknowledge that will not play in this game. Um, so this is this is no preseason game where we're playing backups, where we have player 54 through 75 to evaluate and things of that nature. We got one NFL football team. That NFL football team will go play. Mine is Ben and maybe another guy or two. And so um, I don't want to make more out of it than what it is from that perspective. Okay, so no Big Ben this weekend against the Browns. The Steelers have already clinched the AFC North title. So it'll be Mason Rudolph that gets the start for the Pittsburgh Steelers. In place of Big Ben, this will be Mason's first start this season. We obviously have seen Mason Rudolph in years past. Um, And again, the Steelers are going to face the Cleveland Browns this weekend. It's a situation where the Browns have to win to get into the playoffs. Um, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this, which I'll get to in a minute. But Jordan, I'll let you have the floor first. I'm just feeling generous. I appreciate that, Shay. Look, this is the right decision. It's a no-brainer for Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. Big Ben had season-ending shoulder surgery last year. Big Ben is 38 years old. As the Steelers go, so does Big Ben. You're about his age. Yeah, I feel like that's young in life, in sports. It's not It's not so young. 37, he's got a year on me, by the way. Uh, but at the end of the day, look, this is this is a guy who's fragile. To preserve Big Ben's career, you got to keep him healthy. To preserve his postseason, you have to keep him healthy. You're facing a Browns team that is in a situation where they need to win to get into these playoffs. Correct. They need to win to get into these playoffs. And you know who has a big say on if the Browns win this game? 6'4", 271-pound Miles Garrett coming <laughs> off the edge. One of the best guys at getting to the quarterback in the NFL. He would probably have more sacks than T.J. Watt if he didn't sit two games due to injury, and yet he still sits sixth on the list in sacks. Why I mention Miles Garrett? Because he's going to try to have an impact on this game to win it for the Browns on the defensive side of things. How does Miles Garrett win games? By getting to the quarterback. If you're going to allow the chance for Miles Garrett to get to Big Ben Roethlisberger with that Steelers offensive line and how it's looked, you're playing with fire. The right decision here is to sit Big Ben, preserve his health, and allow him to go out there, whoever you face in the playoffs, and deliver. But to roll the dice with that defense of Cleveland, with Miles Garrett and his ability, knowing what your offensive line has been this year, porous, you are really taking a risk. It's the proper decision. Go ahead and offer up Mason Rudolph. Let him go out there versus Miles Garrett. It won't be about those two in that matchup. 
It'll be about the Browns, the culture change, their maturity, and how they can win the game. And a lot of it might come from the defensive side of things. Proper decision for Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. So I agree with all of that. I also understand all of that. And I'm going to add to your point and then be controversial about it. So I like controversy. What, what, I, what I like what you said, I agree with. Yes, he's older. He's a quarterback that has played a lot of football in his day. And they've played a lot of football this year. The Steelers are one team that had a bye very early on because of the Titans having an outbreak issue. So their bye has not come at the critical time when usually a bye in the NFL comes. And so they're tired. They've played a lot of games. There was like three, three games, games in 12, 12 days, days. Four games in 19 days. Exactly. You've always been better with numbers than I have. So exactly. They've played a lot of football over the last month or so. Mm-hmm. Rest, a necessity. I get all that. However, the offense specifically for the Pittsburgh Steelers has struggled in the last Four games, really. I'll call it three and a half because I think the second half of the Colts game was good by, by the offense. But what was the difference in that game? The offense. Why was the offense different? Because Big Ben was playing better and because, finding his receivers and they weren't dropping footballs. Because Big Ben was calling plays. The offensive coordinator there for the Steelers, Randy Feetner, nobody's really talking about his inability and lack of creativity and, and his hesitancy to go vertical. Well, when Big Ben said that second half, I feel like the Colts know exactly what's coming this first half, and we're getting buried. I'm going to go back to, you know how he likes to say, draw the plays up in the dirt? Well, that's what Big Ben started doing in that second half, and that offense, like you're saying, Shea took off, and they overcame a 17-point deficit. That's where I think they need to take this time off this week with Big Ben and the offensive coordinator, Randy Feetner, and try to get right on what their approach is going to be in the postseason. Okay, fair. And I think that's also a big part of what may play in here, not to the decision, but what they need to improve upon is they go into the postseason. Okay, so I'm not going to disagree with that at all. However, I mean, not to sound corny, practice makes perfect here. And this is a team that has struggled mightily in their last three and a half football games. So to rest your your quarterback, your leader, the guy who's calling plays and being the magician of this offense, to me, I don't know is the smartest move. Should he play the whole game? No, 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 no. I don't, I don't think that at all. I think he's earned the right after being in this league for as long as he has to sit back and watch a little bit. But I think sitting him for the entire game when you're heading into the playoffs, Mm -hmm. a playoffs, by the way, that you said you didn't even see the Steelers winning one game in, it would make sense for Big Ben to go out there, help dust off the rust, continue to call plays, continue to get the offense right and have everyone on the same page. And on top of that, since you have this great chemistry with your receivers, let's make sure they don't drop footballs too when you're throwing them passes. Everyone's together here. And then you can sit in the second half if you feel like you're in a good spot. I'm okay with that. Deontay Johnson feels called out, but he's also been delivering. So I think that that may be in the rear view, hopefully if you're a Steelers fan. Shay, the guy's played a ton of football. He has a Hall of Fame career, Big Ben. He's played 15 games this season. This game does not impact what his rust will or won't be. He'll be ready for the playoffs because he's won Super Bowls, because he's a Hall of Famer. And who he's going to be in these playoffs is who he's going to be in these playoffs. That being said, I don't have the highest of confidence in him, but Steeler fans, more importantly, the guys inside the building there with the Steelers, have great faith that whether he plays this week or not, Big Ben's going to go out there and do what Big Ben's destined to do, uh, good or bad in these playoffs. This has no impact on it. Bigger than that, though, you look at these other teams. Take your pick. Arizona, Washington, uh, the Los Angeles Rams. These three teams are in position that feels like a playoff atmosphere here in Week 17 where they have to win the game and then hope for some other things to happen so they make it into the postseason. You know what they're going to be doing it without? Most likely all three of those teams I mentioned without their starting quarterback. And Big Ben means more than those three combined do to their teams. 
So when Mike Tomlin just decides to survey the NFL landscape and sees what's going on in Week 17, why would he want to dip his toes in that water to find out if it's chilly or warm? He's not going to. He's going to say, I'm going to keep Big Ben dry off to the side, <laughs> let adult swim happen, and then I'm going to get back in that pool, jump in, and have some fun in the postseason. But I'm not rolling the dice, and I don't blame him. Okay, fair enough. Um, on the other side, though, what does this say for the Browns? The Browns are in a must-win situation, as I mentioned, and they're going up a Pittsburgh Steelers team now that's not going to have their starting quarterback. Oh, and by the way, they're coming off a loss to the Jets, which if had they just beaten the Jets, they wouldn't even be in this must-win situation. So now what happens? Baker Mayfield needs to go out and have a fantastic game. The Browns have to win it. I don't care about the drought that they've had where they haven't been in the playoffs and they haven't had a season like they've had in in forever. Now it's time to show that you deserve to be there. Now it's time for you to say, we don't need Big Ben in or out. We are the better football team in comparison to the Steelers. That needs to happen this weekend for the Browns now. You said Baker Mayfield has to go out there and be magnificent. No, he doesn't. He had to be magnificent last week to get the win versus the Jets. And people might think against a one-win Jets team, yeah. Yeah, because he had no receivers. He had no receivers due to COVID protocol. And he had to go out there and really turn water into wine. And he almost did. He didn't do enough. This week, all those assuming those wideouts make it through protocol they have up until this point, assuming they make it into the game, he doesn't have to go out there and be great. They can try to establish the run again Hopefully. because the defense is going to have to respect the run game and also the pass game because those receivers are healthy. If you have to respect that pass game, you can't stack the box like the Jets so comfortably did last week. It's going to be a different ball game. And now you have Miles Garrett, who's not going to have added motivation versus Mason Rudolph. He's put that in the rearview mirror. The guy's up for Sportsman of the Year this year. The culture has changed there. Miles Garrett has changed there. This is about winning the game. And now that Mason Rudolph is the quarterback, which is a big drop-off from Big Ben – they're going to have the ability to make some game-changing plays on the defensive side of things. They've been gifted one here. They just need to go out there and be business-like in their approach and get things done. Let's just be clear here, though, okay? Even though the Steelers will be without their starting quarterback, this is still a division rival. This is still going to be a battle. 100%. And, I, the, and another thing to add, and then we're going to break here, to Mike Tomlin's point of sitting Big Ben, wouldn't you want to wipe the Browns from the playoffs, like be done with it? Not if you ain't worried about them like that. And it's not going to be a true third matchup if you see him again because you're sitting these guys. We don't even know if T.J. Watt's playing. He said Mike Tomlin, one or two other guys may sit as well. Yeah, okay. Uh, Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. Coming up next, the New England Patriots have officially missed the playoffs, as we all know. So what is next for them? That's next. This is ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. 
WEEI for that. Welcome back in. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. And just tell your smart speaker to play ESPN. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests are going to join us on the Goodyear Hotline. We are Shay and Jordan Cornette filling in today, filling in tomorrow, filled in yesterday. So you will likely get sick of our voice. Hope everyone is having a good morning. Okay, so the Patriots are in a precarious situation, I suppose. I guess I will call it. Um... I don't think we've ever seen this. I haven't in my recent memory, at least, because it's been over a decade since the Patriots weren't in the postseason and weren't playing for something the last week of the season. And here they are. And so you look back at their last game against the Buffalo Bills, and it was basically a blowout from start to finish. The Buffalo Bills had their number, and there's no doubt the Buffalo Bills are a better football team this year. But the question now is, where do the Patriots go from here? And I guess we could start with the quarterback position and then we can move on to the head coach and Bill Belichick because this is an all-encompassing situation when it comes to the New England Patriots. Cam Newton didn't have a great year. Uh, Let's not sugarcoat it, okay? However, it is my belief that I don't think he was given really a fair shake. And I am not one, if you've ever listened to me on this show or any other radio show, to make excuses for any football team, for any player. I, I, I don't do that. However, I will say this about Cam Newton. Were there times where he didn't look right throwing the football? Of course. Times. Were there times where he looked like he had no one to throw to? Yes. Were there times where he looked lost in the offense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cam Newton literally landed in New England, Boston to be exact, uh, what was it, a week, four days before training camp started? Foxborough to be exact, but it, we're splitting hairs. Well, he landed in Boston. <laughs> um so he had no. He was literally the last quarterback signed. It feels like I, yeah. I don't know that to be certain when it comes to starting starting quarterbacks no, across the NFL. There's a lot of missed opportunities there from Belichick in New England to get right. somebody else out there. Exactly. You had more opt outs than any other team in the National Football League on both sides of the ball. You had offensive line issues all year. He had no one to throw the ball to. His main receiver and Julian Edelman was hurt for most of the year. And on top of that, Cam Newton's strength is his legs. Tom Brady's strength is his arm. So the offense is completely flipped on top of its head. So it is my belief that while I do think Cam Newton will be the starting quarterback in New England next year, I don't. I don't even know that they're starting quarterbacks on their roster right now. I do think Cam Newton wasn't given a fair shot this year. And what happened and his numbers and his statistics and the way he was benched consistently, it feels like, in the third and fourth quarters a lot – isn't representative of who he is as a player going forward, and he deserves another chance. That is just my opinion. Well, Cam Newton called it called this season an audition, right? And if this was an audition, then yes, he the the, the deck was stacked against him, no question. But yet, a, a, a talent, a supreme talent, is able to shine through that. Cam Newton's not the supreme talent he once was. His body has has cost him a lot of that ability. Uh, his body's failed him. That, that, that was a question coming in. That's why he was only paid a million dollars to come in in New England. That's why he had to settle for that kind of contract. New England didn't have the money. Nobody really wanted to take the flyer on Cam Newton. And the teams that scoffed at it seemed better off for it. Cam Newton did not take advantage or seize any opportunity, even albeit, Shea, the poor one that you kind of laid out in front of us. That, that, that team was devoid of a lot. Tight ends, receivers, uh, obviously the quarterback position with Cam, but defensively, uh, up front, they were missing guys. Linebacker right. position due to opt-outs. And, uh, but you also got to look at, and as I dug deeper into it, you got to look at some of the decisions that Bill Belichick as coach and GM have made. The misses in the draft. The inability 
to go find one of these quarterbacks that were floating around like a Teddy Bridgewater, um, like a Phillip Rivers, to secure in, in position to say, hey, this is what we need to fix first at the quarterback position. Tom Brady, I think, looked around and said, we don't have wideouts. We don't have tight ends. I need to get the hell out of Dodge. And Cam Newton had to inherit all that. You're absolutely right. But Cam didn't show at any point the arm strength, uh, the ability to be a true dual threat because you had to respect his arm. He showed the ability to run occasionally, uh, but it still didn't look like Cam of old. I don't know if there's a team out there. When you look at the skilled wideouts across this league, and if you're one of those skilled wideouts and Cam Newton arrives on your roster, are you going to be celebrating? Or are you going to be like, man, what does this mean for me and my position of wideout? But that's my exact point. How do you know that? Because you, had, you didn't see Cam's full ability. Shay, I watched in that Buffalo game, Cam Newton step up in the pocket, had to throw it about 15 yards. You don't even call that downfield to an open receiver uh, with nobody foot. around. And, basically and threw it two yards short of the yeah. receiver at his feet. Because his ability to step up in the pocket and throw a dart like you're expected to as a professional quarterback simply could not do. And that was eye-opening to me. That is outside of not having weapons, outside of it being a 6-8 and eight team coming into that game versus Buffalo. That said to me all I needed to see. Cam doesn't have it anymore. And, and Cam will have a position on a roster uh, because he's still a, a serviceable backup. But to talk about Cam Newton as a serviceable backup makes me uncomfortable. But that's the reality of the oh, situation. please. You were saying two weeks ago Big Ben still doesn't have it, and now you don't think Cam no, Newton's I'm a saying big backup? No, I, I think Pittsburgh needs to start looking in a different direction moving forward. Absolutely. That's fair. He's getting older. But I think – Well, so that's what I said. So that's what I said. I said they got to start looking in a different direction. You can't fall in love with what these guys have done in years past. You have to be willing to say, I think we've hit the end. It, maybe you can squeeze another year out of Big Ben. I wouldn't do it. But I know Cam Newton doesn't have it anymore. So where does New England go from here? Okay, let's hear from Cam Newton really quick. Here's Cam Newton on how he's feeling right now. It's extremely frustrating knowing what you're capable of, having belief in yourself. Uh, but it's just not, you know, showing uh, when it counts the most. It makes you mad. It makes you angry. Knowing that to be a trusted teammate, you know, you first have to submit to authority and submit to what what the coaches are asking you to do. And I feel like I have done that. I'm not in the, the place to blame or the place to – I'm just more or less venting right now because, yeah, I've sacrificed so much this year. It hurts, you know, when you, when you have the, the outing that you have tonight and just to go home and then start it over for a whole nother week. Yesterday we were joking. I didn't know what eat crow meant. I know, like, why do we? I mean, I know what it means. I've said it. I've heard it be said a million times. But I was like, where, where does this eat crow come from? Cam Newton has eaten crow. I feel like so many times this year because constantly he is defending himself. He is defending his play. Yes. He is. He's accepting. You know that he isn't playing right. He's accepting why he was benched. It's like he's constantly having to do this in post game interviews, and I applaud him for that. Again, though, I just am not willing to say. A change at quarterback is going to be the difference in New England. However, with all the opt-outs they have coming back and the way Bill Belichick coaches a team, I have belief in New England, even if it is Cam Newton under center next what, year. What New England needs to do is hit better in the draft. Last few seasons, they've had some misses. They, they've they've gone at running back. They've gone at wide out higher than most would and, and in positions where guys haven't panned out. Uh, we talk about the wide out position. You drafted Harry a couple years ago. Kill Harry hasn't done it. Um, you look at this roster and say Jimmy G in 2014 was your second-round pick. I don't think Bill Belichick was comfortable letting him go. 
the Niners are on the verge of releasing him given his contract, make a trade. Go get him. So the Niners get some value on their side, and you can go get a quarterback that you know works in your system. Then go out there and hit on some free agents. There's a lot of quarterbacks out there that have potential. Matt Stafford, Carson Wentz, Mitchell Trubisky as a dual threat guy would be attractive to Bill Belichick, especially given his play in the second half of the season if the Bears don't want him. There are options at the quarterback position. That's where it starts for any team. But you've got to win with the 10 draft picks you have coming in this draft better than you have in recent history, and you've got money to spend given the salary cap there. Make some plays in free agency. Those opt-outs, as you mentioned, coming back, New England's got a real shot. I, I like the Jimmy G back to New England. However, the draft has never been Belichick's strength. That's not what he does. He doesn't build from the draft like other teams do. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. It seems to be working for him, though. There's a new front runner for the NFL MVP. Has Aaron Rodgers, though, already locked up the award before the last week of the season? Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. You can tell your smart speaker to play ESPN. We are Shay and Jordan Cornette. How are you hanging in there, buddy? Feeling good. How about you, babe? I'm feeling good, too. You know, it's early morning. It's cold. That's why I think it takes me so long. It's to wake not cold up. in here. Well, it's not cold in here, but it's cold outside. You know, it just kind of hits you. It makes different. it harder to get out of bed. I hear you. Yeah, it's just We're happy harder. to be here, though. Happy to be here. Feeling alive, feeling well. We've got... Some really important matchups coming up this weekend, week 17 in the NFL. None bigger, though, in my mind, because I am a Chicago Midwest girl through and through, than Packers and Bears on Sunday. Playoff implications for both teams, for the Packers to lock up the one seed so they could get that first round by and home field advantage, and then for the Bears to simply get in. They got to win, and then they're in, which could be a tall task. Aaron Rodgers stands in the way of winner get in for your Chicago Bears. What has history shown you? Don't do that. With Aaron Rodgers do that. facing off against the Chicago this Bears. This is like me coming Jordan's a Bengals fan. This is like me coming at you like well, what about uh, even though the Steel even though the Bengals just beat the Steelers. What of the Steelers? I mean, uh, what kind of giant killers are the Steelers to your Bengals? Like you know what the Packers have done to my Bears far too many times in my lifetime. Hey, Trubisky truthers out there. What an opportunity. Which you're becoming, slowly. No, 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 no. Slowly, no. you are I think becoming. it's interesting. He, Trubisky's played himself into a position here when he was written off, where this guy was for sure not going to be in a Bears uniform next year, that his value in this league has risen in the second half of the year, most especially in these last few games, never mind the opponents being uh, not very strong ones. His value in this league has improved, and he's now reaching 
the threshold uh, approaching this game versus the Packers that has a playoff vibe because if you win, you're in. And if Trubisky can have a hand successfully in advancing the Bears, whoo, Bears are going to have a hard time letting him walk. And there's going to be a lot of teams out there that want him. So uh, Mitchell Trubisky versus Aaron Rodgers that's could a, be an interesting matchup. Yeah, that's, that doesn't sound as sexy as I think you want it to sound. It really I don't does have not. To, I don't have any skin in the game. Look, the Bears' offense, no doubt, has been much better over the last couple of weeks. They have played those three losing teams in their three-game win streak, three teams that are not going to the postseason. And so when we look at this Bears-Packers matchup, we realize that it is – it is not really as it seems yet. Now, could the Bears surprise us all and go out and, and win against the Packers? I don't think that's out of the question. My dad, as you know, is a diehard Packers fan, and he says this Lives game up there makes, in Wisconsin. makes him nervous because he feels like the Packers have a tendency to sometimes lose to teams that they should beat. Not um, the Bears, though. Not the Bears. The Bears is not Pops in law, not the, the Bears. Bears. is definitely not one of them, that is for sure. Um, what's interesting, though, for me, someone who's covered and followed this team for a really long time, is that normally I'm nervous about the offense because we've seen it be inept. We've seen it have zo- no rhythm at all. We've seen whoever's at quarterback, be it Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles, not be able to find receivers, not establish a run game. And that has totally been flipped upside on its head over the last three weeks. More nervous am I about the defense and them playing to the caliber that they can play at. This was a top 10 defense a year ago, um, creeped up into the top five the year before that. They have so many players that can get after the quarterback, that can stop the run, that can stop um, guys on the outside, that can literally do it all that you just haven't seen click on all cylinders in the last couple of weeks. But, Need to see it. But why Why is that to a degree? Yeah, sure, there's been a drop-off in a defense. You can't play at that high level for that many consecutive seasons. Eventually, you're going to start to see some fall-off, and you have. But it's also come uh, – the defense has also dropped off at the expense of – this is an offense that hasn't given them much of a rest in any games. When you consistently have three and outs and that defense is spending all the time on the field, they can't be the disruptors that they typically are because uh, fatigue sets in. That's no excuse completely, but it's definitely a part of the situation there. When you have a competent offense, when you have a productive offense like the Bears have shown in these last few weeks, it alleviates some of that pressure. It allows for rest on the sidelines for a defense and come out there energetic, engaged, and be the disruptive defense that it has been in those years past to generate takeaways, to give a short field, uh, to provide a propped-up offense to go out there, and they're working together. And that's something you haven't seen in Chicago. That being said, one of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL, behind Aaron Rodgers' arm, Aaron Jones in the backfield, a little bit of A.J. Dillon, Devontae Adams, who's as good a go-to guy as you can have, it's going to be quite the task for that Bears defense in this one with a lot on the line. Attention, Robert Quinn. This would be a good game for you to show why we paid you a lot of money during the offseason and had you come to you Chicago. You haven't paid him anything. This what do you mean, would be, we? This, yeah, I haven't. This would be a good game. Please show up, Robert Quinn. Aaron Rodgers, um, a fantastic game. No turnovers yet again. He continues to play at an extremely high level, but he, he really put it on display on Sunday night against the Titans. And I think after that game, I know you agree with me, because in case you don't know, we're married and we watch games together, typically, unless I'm mad at him and then he has to do it in another room. It's true. Um, Very true. Aaron Rodgers has won, in my mind, the MVP. I mean, that's just a foregone conclusion at this point. I don't think Mahomes has played to the level that he's capable of or that we've seen in years past. And I, I think mean, and, and that I, just I know goes to show you the expectation for yeah, Patrick we're Mahomes. Spoiled. Has it played to the it. level? That you expect him to. It's true, though. He has he has more turnovers than Rodgers. I mean, I think Rodgers... Rodgers has thrown for more touchdowns, less interceptions. Uh, I think by a couple hundred yards, Mahomes hasn't beat in yardage. He had his 13th game with a 100-plus passer rating this year. 
I mean, that's insane. That's tied for the most such games in a single season what in the you, Super Bowl era. What did you think was going to happen to arguably the most talented quarterback to ever play the position? What did you think was going to happen when they go out and grab a guy like Jordan Love, which uh, may have been the right move. I, I, I think a lot, of people, a lot of people think it wasn't the right move, and I totally understand why. How did you think Aaron Rodgers was going to respond? What did you think one of the great how did you think one of the greatest quarterbacks ever was going to come out and play? You saw how cerebral he was in handling the news. He wasn't fiery, knee-jerk reaction. He was very patient, very uh cerebral with his approach and how he handled it. Really? Cuz I felt like he let his feelings be known. No, nah, but very very calculated, Subtly. very yeah. calculated. Okay, fine. My man knew how he was going to approach this and I'm <laughs> excited to talk to one of his former teammates cuz I want to know how the Green Bay Packers are going to go about the business of keeping him around for a while because he's got a lot of great football left in him. Okay, so with that being said, let's welcome in ESPN Milwaukee radio host. He's also a former Packers offensive lineman, Mark Tauscher. He joins us on the Goodyear Hotline. Good morning to you, Mark. So you heard our yeah, conversation. Good morning. You heard our conversation here about Aaron Rodgers, and I ask you the same thing I just posed to my husband here. Um, after Sunday's performance against the Titans, do you think he's locked up the MVP? Yes. Yeah, I think so. And when you when you start looking at the at the big picture on how this season has has went, obviously Patrick Mahomes has been in that same conversation. But you saw on Sunday night with with the weather and how everything that this team has been asked, he has answered the bell. And I, I don't think there's a question in his 15, 16 years, he's never played better. And this season, I think he he has taken it. The things you guys just mentioned, Jordan Love, the draft. The second year, you don't know what's going to end up happening. He is playing at the highest level I think he's played at in his entire career. And I think he's as deserving this year as he's been on the other two times that he's won that award. Mark, I, I know you're you're an offensive guy. You're an offensive lineman. Had a great career. Do a great job in the media side of things up there at ESPN Milwaukee. Uh, but I, I want to talk about the Packers' defense because – I feel like so much we lead with naturally Aaron Rodgers and, and that productive offense, but I feel like this defense doesn't get the respect it deserves. I, I mentioned how it's a top 10 total defense in the NFL, and I got hate mail on Twitter. Like, what are you talking about? This <laughs> Packers mail. defense is awful. It's not, though. Can you tell people why it's an undervalued defense for the Packers? Well, I think, uh, you know, early in the season there have been question marks, and I thought last week with, with what Tennessee brought to the table, there was a lot of things that fans uh, that everybody wanted to see answered. And I, I think having what the Darnell Savage, his elevated elevation of his game, but Rashawn Gary being able to set the edge, doing some different things, stopping the run. It's starting to all come together. They're creating turnovers, which is the one thing early in the season that we didn't see with this team. Mm-hmm. So now that you're getting, you know, stopping the run, you're seeing the turnovers start getting created. If this defense forces turnovers, they're not getting beat. And I think everybody, the games that Green Bay has lost this year, they've turned the football over. If and Aaron Rodgers does not do that, so when when you start factoring all those things in, this defense has gotten better stopping the run. But I think the biggest thing is they're creating turnovers, and when they start doing that, this team is going to be incredibly difficult, especially people that have to come into Lambeau Field and try to win a playoff game. Okay, well, yeah, Shay, because 29th currently in generating turnovers is that defense. Mark makes a great point. If they start doing that too, I already have them winning the Super Bowl. Go ahead and give them back-to-back Super Bowls. Oh, please. <laughs> well, all this news um, really makes me nervous as a Bears fan and someone from Chicago for this weekend's game. Uh, I-, I feel lucky that it's actually in Chicago and not at Lambeau, Mark, but – 
Heading into this game, I guess maybe you could take me into the locker room a little bit or maybe take me into the mindset a little bit since you've played in this rivalry. Both teams have something to play for. Bears into the playoffs. Obviously, for the Packers, it's for seeding. What do you anticipate out of this matchup on Sunday? Yeah, I think it's going to be more difficult than than people. I think you looked back three or four weeks ago when the, the Bears were still struggling on offense. I think people kind of assumed that this was going to be one of those games. But the Bears, to their credit, have fought back. Uh, Trubisky's done a nice job. I think their offense has evolved. They're trying to get that running game going. So I think this is going to be tough. And, you know, luckily, I think the the fact that these two teams know each other as well as they do and that you're going into the weather is not going to be some big factor for the Bears as well. But anytime there's desperation and the Bears' playoff lives are on the line, but on the flip side of that, Green Bay knows how important that one seed is. Everything that you're hearing up in, in Green Bay this week is, this is the playoff game, and getting that one seed this year is as important as it's ever been because you only have one team that doesn't play. I just think Green Bay is rolling right now. The offense, everything seems to be, that secret sauce seems to be coming together, and I think this team knows how precious this stuff is, and I think Chicago's going to have their hands full. Mark, a couple years left on that deal for Aaron Rodgers up there in Green Bay. Seeing how he's playing right now, clearly – a conversation is going to be had in Green Bay. What does his future look like with Jordan Love waiting in the wings? Uh, I mean, that's the question. And I think, you know, for right now, it's enjoy the time you have with Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. because I think that draft night, I think everybody started looking at it like, wow, this thing, you know, this could be coming to an end. But when you put a season like this up, <laughs> I think it's going to be really difficult to any transition plans you have. And I don't think there were necessarily next year. Uh, but if you look at his contract, it's down the road in two or three years. He keeps playing like this. I think I don't know how you would ever make that move. But as we know, things happen in the NFL. Things can change. But I think enjoy this year. You're going to see Aaron Rodgers, I think, just continue to get more comfortable with this system. And we're seeing what year two did. Just imagine what a year three might look like. What kind of job, Mark? And there's a lot of scrutiny uh, a lot of projecting emotion and, and trying to say what was going on there, but clearly it wasn't the case. The relationship with Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. So many were like, oh, this is there, there's a push and pull here. There's a power struggle. People couldn't have got this one more wrong. It certainly seems that way. And I think last year there were struggles. You saw it was it didn't look anything like it does this year. I think there's a combination of, you know, kind of getting the system down in place where Aaron has a great understanding of why things are getting done. And now I think everybody is on board 100%. Whereas before, I think they were trying to figure out, okay, this is the stuff Aaron really likes. This is the stuff where Coach LeMatt LaFleur is looking for. Now I think everybody's just looking at it and saying, this is the stuff that works. Let's just keep rolling. And everybody is bought in, and that's why you're seeing this offense look as good as it's ever been. No doubt. All right, Mark Tauscher, former Packers offensive lineman. You can hear him on ESPN Milwaukee. Thanks so much for the time this morning. We appreciate it. I would say good luck to your you Packers, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Yeah, it's been like it's been like that since 92. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, See you, Mark. All right, let's go A to Z. A 
A to Z is brought to you by Redbox. Redbox has new movies at the box and streaming on demand. Don't miss Honest Thief starring Liam Nielsen and Kate Walsh. Visit Redbox.com for all the ways to watch. Okay, so Alabama wide receiver Devonta Smith has been named AP Player of the Year. Smith is the first wide receiver and first Alabama player to win the award since it was established in 1998. Smith finished ahead of his quarterback, Mac Jones, who came in second. It is the first time... Two teammates have finished one and two in the voting. Must be nice to be an Alabama fan. Both Smith and Jones are finalists for the Heisman Trophy. Coming up from A to Z. Here is Devonta Smith on being deserving of the Heisman. There's one guy that is currently being considered that is in a league of his own amongst the players at his position. And it's hard, obviously, to win the award as a receiver, but... I don't think we need to focus as much on the position that's played and the amount of touches that person may have. What's his impact on the game? And is he, in fact, the most outstanding player? And I think you can make a very strong argument, given the difficulty discerning between the quarterback candidates, that Devontae Smith is that player this year. Okay, that was uh, Greg McElroy on the Max Kellerman show yesterday, not Devonta Smith, my bad. Um, but he makes a good point. We just got to look at who is the most deserving of the Heisman Trophy, and all signs would point to Devonta Smith. Last year, in 2019, he, he statistically led Alabama's receivers. Even though they had Henry Ruggs and they had uh, Jerry Judy on the roster, still it was Smith that led the way. And then you look at his numbers last year compared to this year, and it's a completely different ballgame. He leads the entire nation in catches, receiving yards, and yards after catch. I mean, this guy would make any team a playoff caliber team and is why Alabama is so good. Yeah, and I love that the AP's looking at this thing like sometimes I wish the NFL would. Look, Josh Allen is clearly a, an incredible talent. But let's not sleep on what Stephon Diggs has brought there. And because it's the wideout, you always lead with the quarterback in Josh Allen. Josh Allen is magnificent. Mm-hmm. But so too is Stephon Diggs. Right. And when we talk about Mac Jones in Alabama, he might be the one that ends up winning the Heisman ultimately. But at least I'm glad a share of the hardware came here to Devonta Smith at the wide out position. Only three times has the Heisman winner been a wide receiver. One of them, Notre Dame, Tim Brown. Not the song. Um, but then Desmond Howard on the other side. I'll give it to a rival in Michigan. Desmond Howard, a colleague and a teammate here at ESPN. Uh, so it, it rarely goes that way. This is the first time ever, like you said, a wideout has won this award. It adds a little bit of intrigue, an element of intrigue to the Heisman now because you're seeing Devonta Smith get some of that recognition, earn some of that hardware leading up to it. Is this going to be the fourth wideout to win the Heisman? I'm now curious. 17 players since 1998 have won both the AP Player of the Year and the Heisman Trophy. There you award. go. So it's definitely trending in the right direction for Devonta Smith. That's for sure. Okay, how about NFL teams are eyeing Urban Meyer for head coach openings? At least two teams have reached out to Meyer to gauge his interest in returning to the coaching NFL level, according to Adam Schefter, a source connected to one of those teams tells ESPN that Meyer did not dismiss the overtures and intends to make a decision into next week. Here's Cardell Jones yesterday here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on what it would take for Urban Meyer to go to the NFL. I just had dinner with Coach Meyer this past Friday, and, mm-hmm. you know, the questions kind of came up about back coaching and things like that. And um, not saying he said yes, not saying he said no, but I think for him to have success in the NFL, and I think he would agree with this comment I'm going to make, he would have to have more of a role like a Bill O'Brien, who's kind of the head coach and GM, so he can get his guys in there, so he can 
you know, do or or along as him and the GM is on a on a pretty much the same wavelength when it comes to the um, identity of the team and in and, and a direction because Coach Meyer is a is a big control guy and um, he loves to have his blueprint and his footprint on almost any and everything it does with the uh, program and organization. So I think if that right organization is willing to kind of give the keys to a guy who who haven't had experience coaching at the NFL level, um, I, I think it can be successful. Okay, so. Cardell Jones was extremely interesting yesterday considering he had just had dinner with Urban Meyer. And what does this tell us that maybe this was a conversation that was had over dinner? He also did tell us that Urban Meyer picked up the tab. So I know that's equally as important. Um, (laughs) But here's where I'm kind of like pondering this. Why would someone, why would a team, why would a franchise that's worth millions and millions of dollars hand all the reins over to Urban Meyer when he's never been an NFL head coach? Why would you do that? And while I think Urban Myers is a fan, a fantastic, brilliant head coach who has won everywhere he's gone, and I think he would make for a good coach in the NFL, I don't know that I want to give someone who's never had that kind of NFL experience, because it's widely different than college, all of that control. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it's a respect for the mind of Urban Myers, and I think they're willing to overlook that side of it. Keep in mind, Bill O'Brien was not failing at the job in Houston as coach and GM until he let things get personal and started to make some of those moves uh, punctuated by letting D-Hop go to Arizona for for pennies on the dollar. Um, So it it can be done, and I think if you remove ego from it, that's always the danger when you give somebody that much power. I think the vetting process will allow people to see that Urban Meyer maybe is not that, but wow, would it be interesting to see if the Texans would be willing to go down that path again giving a coach the power of both coach and GM just to bring in a guy like Urban. Because the Texans are a team that are interested in bringing in Urban Meyer. And given what Cardell Jones is telling us, uh, if it's going to be about control, now maybe it doesn't mean he holds that GM title necessarily. Maybe it just means he's a coach, but that front office gives lends their ear to his suggestions and does allow him to do things the way he wants, maybe a little bit more free reign. be interesting to see. I look at Jacksonville – as maybe the front runner in that regard, or Detroit, because of his relationship with Chris Spielman, uh, former Buckeye legend who's now a special assistant to the front office there with Detroit. But again, you want to look at promise moving forward, a roster that is beneficial to winning uh, and malleable to get it where you want it to go. And that, to me, goes back to Houston as the front runner there, mm. or maybe Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence there. Detroit has a little bit more to clean up. And a little bit more, uh, a, a few more obstacles and questions. Uh, but it'd be really interesting. Yeah, I don't think he's going to Houston. I'll tell you why I'd rather have Cam Newton as my quarterback than Jameis Winston. That's next. You're listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.
Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.